everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Many, many people have asked uh, for Theo Leblick, uh, the master Jedi acro pilot uh, who has been making quite a name for himself in the last few years, uh, dominating the World Cup scene in acro. And uh, you've seen all his instructional videos, I'm sure, from his hometown near St. Hilaire and all of his amazing pictures and videos and probably have seen his column in Cross Country Magazine. He's been writing a column now for the last bunch of months uh, that is just terrific. Uh, I'm not... Uh, by any means a very skilled acro pilot, but I, I love reading his column. I've gotten a lot out of that. And so in this episode, we talk about uh, we talk about that and progression and where he trains and throwing a reserve and a lot of safety stuff. And just this, we had a lot of fun. This was great. Uh, I recorded it on my end at midnight. It was uh, very early in the morning for him because he had to get on to training and doing some other things. Uh, but it was no problem staying awake and listening to Theo and, and uh, writing a bunch of notes down. Uh, this is a good chat with a good dude who's uh, who's a really, really skilled, just amazing pilot. So uh, check him out online. You know, Check out his videos. He's got a lot of instructional stuff up. And uh, enjoy this talk with Theo LeBlick. Theo, so excited to talk to you. We are on a little bit opposite sides of the earth here, a midnight for me yeah. and, and getting getting going on your big day in the morning. So uh, I know we're on a little bit limited time. So let's let's just get right into this. Uh, I've been following your column in, in cross country for the last bit of time and I always really enjoy that. And, uh, and I've seen a ton of your videos because of course, like everybody else, I'm trying to learn from them as well. Uh, but before we get into, I've got a lot of questions to ask you about acro and training and progression and all that kind of stuff. But, um, before we get into it, what I haven't read about or seen, and maybe you've, you've, you've written about it somewhere else, but I'm not totally aware of it. What was the catalyst that you, that got you into paragliding and, and, Maybe give us the 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 rundown on, of how you've become. You know, as far as I know, this is how you're making your living in a, in a career. Can you take us through that? You know, how that all kind of went down because it's unique, it's tough, and uh, and I'm sure people would enjoy hearing that. Yeah, well, actually, the way I got into paragliding was quite quite uh, easy because uh, my father was a paragliding instructor, so. I was, I was, I've always been in, uh, in paragliding somehow. I've always been around landing fields and places like this. So when I was two years old, my father was began teaching as an instructor. He brought me in tandems and slowly, step by step, I started ground handling at six and I did wow. my first flights by in solo at 12. So it all went, it all went quite smoothly and I was in a really good environment because the school I was in had really, really good pilot teaching there. So was, as well as cross country pilots, there were acro pilots and everyone. So I had a lot of, um, a lot of good experiences there, a lot of good teaching from everyone. So it just went step by step until I, I could fly by myself. And what not many people know is that I was also with my friend Tim Alonji, who is now also a, a professional pilot, yeah, sure. and we were in the same place as well. So we were flying together also in the same place. So it was uh, at that time it all went uh, really really smoothly. Uh, I learned step by step with my with my father with the other instructor, and I just was not focusing much into into acro or professional paragliding. I was just enjoying flying as much as I could. Until step by step, the idea of becoming a professional came into my mind, but it really took a long time, actually. And you're from all your videos. I'm. Assuming, do you live in Saint Hilaire? Is that is that kind of is that base? Yeah, I, I don't really live in Saint Hilaire. Actually, I fly a lot there, but I live in Chambéry, which is oh, uh, in between Saint Hilaire and Annecy. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, I live there because we have uh, one of the best aqua spots to train in France. Is there? It's in Chambéry. So basically, it's a it's an afternoon spot. So I go usually to Saint Hilaire in the morning and train in Verel. That's the name of the spot in the afternoon. Afterwards, and, and that's so I'm I've flown a lot in that area, but I'm not familiar with that site. Is that is that over the water? The site you're flying in Chambéry? No. That's a or that's like an afternoon, th kind of more like a. Uh, 
Not only then is what am I thinking of in Spain? Uh, gosh, sorry, but yeah, of course, Organia. Is it like Organia? Kind of you can just reload. No, it's really like Organia. It's above the. It's not above the ground like Organia. It's above a, a huge forest actually. Mm. So you have cliffs and a, and a forest below. And uh, in Organia is a place where the the valley wind is coming straight onto the mountains. While Verel is a is a place where the sun is hitting up the cliff and the valley wind is sideways to the to the cliffs, so you can train really safely because the wind will never blow you if you are under the rescue to the cliff, but instead it will blow you into the valley and on the trees. But basically, it's not a it's not a place where we train above ground uh, above water. Sorry, it's a place where we train above uh, above the ground with thermal and we just fly all day long from usually 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. So wow, it does a really really good. Yeah, it's really good for for acro. It's really good for cross country. Not that much because obviously it's starting pretty late. But for acro, it's a perfect place. Okay. Well, before before we get into the training side of things, then when when did it kind of switch for you to to you know when did you decide okay maybe I can maybe I can make a living doing this? Well, I took actually it came down quite naturally. I think I think it always comes down quite naturally these kind of things. But basically, I was starting to go into acro more and more. My father allowed me to go on a trip in Organia in Spain when I was like fifteen or fourteen uh, to train there, and then I, I started to learn some tricks. I learned t- infinity tumbling, which at the time was quite a great achievement, particularly at fifteen. And so I started also to sign my first sponsors and step by step, the sponsors gave me gliders and then slowly, step by step, I got money out of it, a little bit of money, just enough to pay for trainings and enough to pay for a living. So it's always step by step and it's not until I I think like maybe five or six years ago that I really said, okay, no, I focus on on it and I do it as a a real, real job every day. And and now, so now that you've been kind of doing it and and competing for this this much time, is it something you can you see yourself you could maintain? I mean, is it? Uh, I don't want to ask too personally, but is it enough money to pay the bills and and have a good living? We had Andre Prashaska on about a little over a year ago. It was uh, yeah. maybe even more than that, but you know, he was he, he's also doing quite well on the tour and that kind of thing yeah. but you know i think you can't get by just with the winnings yeah actually we, we cannot we cannot live through the winnings of uh, of uh, competitions uh the winnings are really really small so it's not enough but through sponsorship and everything it's uh it's quite enough i'm i'm living quite well right now in france through the sponsorship and through gradient and super helping me out uh and uh I'm making quite a good living out of it, and it's quite stable as well. So now that the that the whole thing is running, uh, I, it's really much easier to keep it running than to start it all over again. So it's working quite well. And what about what about cross country? Do you do you also fly quite a bit across country, or, or is really your focus just acro? Well, uh, so far the last the last years it was really much into acro, and since I think two years, two uh, two or three years, I've started to fly cross country more and more. But because I'm more interested into the I can fly uh, formats and cross country, so I fly mostly some I can fly tours and cross country, and I can fly because only cross country I've I've problem to see the point. But I can fly, I really I really get it, and it's really I really enjoy it. Ah, it's funny that you say you don't see the point. So that's that's going to be my next question with with acro. So I I've often done some acro training and nothing like what you guys do, uh, but more just to make me safe for for cross country. You know, we always talk about that that you guys yeah. are just the jedis when it comes to ground handling and 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 correcting your wing out of out of uh, you know crazy situations of course which you can get in of course flying cross country um but the when i've gone to places like garda or annecy to, to train acro i i get quite bored quite quickly uh i mean it's just a very different scene and you you wrote a really good article just recently uh in cross country about uh, managing that can you talk about that a little bit like your 
you know, when, when I, when I've gone to like acro competitions and stuff, it's just, you know, your, your flight is over so fast and, uh, and you have to go back up and, you know, it, it's just like the, the, you're, 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 you're learning these minutiae just over and over and over again. Cause it's, it's, it really is repetitive, right. To, to really yeah, nail a move and get it right and start getting sequences really right. You know, you've got to just practice it over and over and over again. Um, I found that quite tricky, but you, tell, tell me about kind of how you've, uh, attacked your training. Well, uh, obviously there is a there is a lot of ways to, to train acro, but for me, if I had to to train in Garda or in uh, Annecy all the time, uh, I would find it quite boring as well because always packing, taking the lift again, doing a one minute flight, going uh, going up again, it's quite it's quite tricky and it's quite boring in my opinion. But uh, once you find a cool spot like Organia or like Verel where I'm flying now, where you stay all the afternoon in the air and you really are flying, so you you never land, you just fly your tricks, then go up again, then fly your tricks then you really can kind of get the momentum of acro because uh, it's really you, you get the training part it means that you can really repeat it as much as you can as much as, as you want it to and uh, and you can really progress in it so that's actually my whole my whole mojo in acro is really to progress so when i'm training i, I want to do everything perfect and and if i don't get everything perfect i will i will need to train it and repeat it as much as possible but Obviously, if I want to do this, I need to have a cool spot where I can fly and I can enjoy flying, not do a one-minute run, then land, pack again, take the car up. So it's really all about the, the place you are in training, the place you are training in, and all about the, the, the feeling you get out of it. So for me, it's really, a, it's really about flying rather than just doing runs up and down the mountain. So when you go from a cross-country pilot training to do acro, you... You want to learn the, the basics. You want to learn how to how to manage your glider in a tricky environment. Where, while for my side of the things, I want to learn everything about managing my glider in everything, in every way, and even in ways that you cannot encounter while normal cross-country flying. And the site that you fly now, um, I, I imagine, you know, doing the, the sequences and the, the moves that are, I mean, even for you, I would imagine uh, more at the difficult end of things, although you, you know, you, you're the master, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> it, it, do you find yourself in situations that like, oh gosh, I mean, do you, is this a place where you can safely throw your reserve and, and be fine? Yeah, obviously, uh, the reserve throwing is uh, is kind of a of a mental thing mostly. Uh, I've done it several times, and at least ten times so far. So right now, I know that I have the experience and the and the reactivity to quite make the good decision every time I have to throw the reserves. That means that I have the, all the reflexes ready. So I have kind of a, in my head like a, a step by step. Uh, of uh, what I have to do if I throw the reserve and I follow it every time I throw the reserve. So I feel quite safe because when I throw the reserve, I immediately know what I have to do once I throw the reserve and what I have to focus on and everything. So I always feel quite safe, whatever the place I'm in, because I, I have all this focus on these steps that I know that I, I described in the in the magazine. Uh, and And I really believe that they saved my life every time so 100% so far and it's quite a good ratio so I always feel quite safe even in the tricky situation which happened less and less actually over the time and are you so that that article for those that that haven't read that um, take, take us through those steps but also remind remind me are you using a cutaway system or uh, or it, or in a steerable reserve or what what's your what's your what's your equipment set up first and then take it take us through what your what those steps are well so far my, my equipment setup is uh, is not with uh, with a cutaway uh, system I'm flying a, a normal system with a uh, with a Rogallo and uh, and a round rescue as a backup. Actually, it's a square rescue as a backup. Um, basically, I'm not using a cutaway system for, for just for personal reason. It's because uh, so far I feel really good with my with my actual system, and uh, and uh, I really enjoy it. And for competition, for the, for example, we usually don't fly the cutaway because of the of the trouble when drying. The, the mm -hmm. equipment drying a base canopy is quite painful because then you have to to repack it and everything it takes a lot of time 
So basically we fly uh, normal harnesses with two rescues. So for the training I use it as well. And also because I have, I'm fully confident in my equipment so far. But what I think my, my honest opinion is that the safest, uh, the safest setup right now is a cutaway for sure. So okay. if you're starting acro, it's the safest setup. And then take, take us through, you know, not, I realize every rescue, every throw is different, but take us through, you know, your, your checklist in your head, uh, when things go wrong. Yeah, which I hope I won't forget anything. But uh, first of all, I, I always check my altitude. It's the first first thing I do. If uh, if something is going wrong, I check down, uh, check that I have what my altitude is. And if I when I check, I have any doubt about the altitude. I mean, I, I check, but I'm not sure really about my altitude. Am I at 500? Am I at 200? I throw the reserve quite immediately. Uh, once the decision to throw the reserve is taken, I check the situation I'm in more uh, Fully, it means that I am in uh, a rotation with a lot of twist. Uh, am I uh, in a backfly with a lot of twist? I have, have I a big cravat or something to react accordingly. So it means that uh, if I am in a rotation, I will throw the reserve in a different way. That if I am, if I have a big cravat and I am playing straight, so all this come into my mind. Uh, I have to. So it all takes like split of a second, obviously, but uh, it's. Uh, important decision you have to make uh, then once i've checked everything i go to in the in the meanwhile I, i'm going to my rescue handle so usually uh, i go from from i put my hand on my knee and i slide from my knee to where i think my rescue handle is basically i'm doing this to be sure that i will find my rescue handle because sometimes in a tricky situation you are thrown out of the harness you are in a you're not in the position you are usually flying uh, so uh, basically following from your knee to the, to your butt actually is, uh, the best way to find your handle. So usually I do this. Once I find my handle, I throw it as hard as I can away from me. So I really don't, some people unscratch it and then throw it me. I really usually throw it all the way. So unscratch it and throw it away as fast as possible. And then I just check if my rescue is opening well. Because sometimes it's not opening well, so yeah, I have to throw the second one. Obviously, it doesn't happen so often, but uh, it's a really an important way to an important thing to, to check because some people usually forget that uh, on the rescue it is open, maybe partially open, which means that uh, some part is in the glider or something else. So usually, it's important to check this. And uh, on Simon does a rescue. The first thing I do is uh, focusing on my glider. So basically, a rescue and a glider together flying is not a good setup. You are going down really fast and uh, sometimes way too fast for your body to to enjoy the landing. So it's important to focus on the, gli so on the glider and find a good way to to take back your glider in. So either through pulling the lines or through stalling the glider if you have not a lot of times, but just getting your glider back. And once you have done this, uh, I focus on uh, on my landing points. So basically, if I have a rogallo, I will try to to land front wind. So I will go. I will put my rogallo front wind, or I will try to to land in a in a good spot. Or if you, if I have a run rescue, I will try to see where I'm going to land and to prepare because with a run rescue you don't control much. But basically, uh, the best way to prepare once I have checked everything and I'm in the good position for landing is just to stand up. And uh, and basically in my head when I I'm stand I'm standing up always before the crash because if I arrive quite fast I will stand up anyway and put the leg first because in my in my head and it's quite quite difficult to to say it and to think about it but a leg is way easier to repair than a back so I prefer to break my legs so basically I stand up and I prefer to crash on my legs and then I check the situation once I'm landed basically it's all the steps I'm thinking and. Obviously, in a tricky situation, it all goes quite fast in your head, so it's uh, it's all a blur. But uh, but it's kind of all the steps I'm thinking about when I throw the rescue. And so far, I've never hurt myself, never broken a leg, uh, and I've always landed in quite good situations. Theo, are you doing something? Let's say you're you're using your right hand to throw. Um, are you putting both toggles in your in your left hand to keep your to try to keep your wing from 
let's say you're, let's say you've been in an auto rotate situation, but you're, you were able to kind of stop it. Are you, but you've got a big cravat, like it may go into it again, or it may to keep it. What I'm trying to say is, are you doing anything to try to keep it from shooting or doing something else when you go for yeah, that reserve? For sure. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really important. Well, if you are in a rotation, full auto rotations, then you should focus on throwing the rescue. But in any other situations where you have the glider under control, you have to keep the glider under control because you never know what, what could happen once you throw the rescue. So it's important to, to keep both toggle in one hand and, and to and to throw the rescue with the other one, of course. I'm also using a term that some people might not be familiar with. Can you describe auto-rotate? Yeah, auto rotation basically is uh, is when the glider enters on a, a rotation, really fast rotation usually. So it can be either a spiral or a more a movement closer to the sat. Uh, basically, it happens uh, with a cravat or with some twist uh, because of the of the asymmetry of the harnesses or of the of the brakes uh, when you twist or basically with a collapse. Well, with a collapse, it's not it's not really usual because usually the glider exits by itself and uh, and you don't um, <clears throat> and the glider reopens but it mostly in acro it's with a cravat or most of the time with twist because with a cravat usually we can we can manage the worst the worst risk of auto rotation with for acro pilots is basically twist gotcha yeah i always think of it as it, it, it has that sensation like you're going into an infinite or something like you're, you're just you're almost you're almost looping but it's it's uh ugly <laughs> yeah it's it's basically the auto rotation basically is a, is a really really strong spiral strong spiral so yeah it's not not really fun and usually when you are in auto rotation you're not in a in a in a comfortable place because you have maybe you are twisted or anything so you are not in the usual flying position and it's going somewhere you don't really understand and yeah it's not really comfortable it's not something you wish to happen to anybody Theo how do you so you're training over over dirt and what we always hear yeah. is you know you go to places like where you train or Organia um, you know, after you really have the trick totally nailed, uh, is that how you've approached it too? Or are you learning new stuff and new sequences, uh, where you train there? Well, definitely not in my part, um, because I've always felt quite comfortable above the ground. So I've trained everything above the ground. I've not learned any tricks above the water so far. And, uh, and above the ground, what I, what I think is that, um, uh, if you have the good uh, the good reflexes, so I already I always uh, was really mentally prepared to for the rescue, and I knew very well all the steps to for the rescue, and I knew very well the altitude I had and everything. I always took a lot of care about my altitude, but basically uh, I always trained above the ground, and a lot of people do this because I was always really confident in myself that I could for the rescue, that I could manage the situation, and that I had enough altitude. Uh, but I think it's a really personal matter because some people are really not as confident above the ground and would rather train above the water. And I think it's important not to push yourself too, too much. So if you are more like a, a water person, uh, train above the water, it's no problem. There is no shame in that. It's just a personal feeling, I guess, about it. About it. Yeah. I mean, of course, and just time i mean when when you were talking about that you fly all afternoon for hours and hours every day uh you know you just you just can't get that over the water period that's impossible so that's uh, yeah. obviously you're just getting so many more hours um tell me about so you know you you've kind of you've seen you, you came into it of course after raul and all the guys who really set the precedent and stuff but where do you see it where do you see it going well, um, when I came into the sport, actually, uh, it was uh, like the golden era still. Uh, Raul and Horacio and Felix, just, just uh, and Pal also. It was the era of Pal was starting when I came into the sport. But uh, a lot of tricks were coming in and the first professional pilots were, were arriving into the sport because uh, so far before, I don't remember a lot of professional pilots. And uh, so <clears throat> so far, I've seen the sports grow because right now, uh, when I started, acro was really only for acro pilots. It means that people were starting acro and they were really focusing only on acro. 
and uh, it was really something like you didn't take so lightly you know to go to to perform an acro run so far what i see is that a lot of people right now are doing acro as a as a side uh, as a side effect of paragliding like they, they mm. go for paragliding and sometimes they perform some acro flying because they like it and enjoy it but uh, they may prefer flying cross country or it's not really their main focus in paragliding but i think a lot of the future in acro is uh, is in this and i i'm really happy about it because uh, i see a lot of i've seen a lot of pilots just flying acro just for the for the pure uh, enjoyment of it and also for the for the basic knowledge that it can give them in their normal flying. So basically, I think Acro is evolving in, into something like this, where people will fly mostly everything and not just only cross-country or just Acro, but they will try to uh, to enjoy all aspects of paragliding. And I think it's one of the future of Acro so far. When we had we had Pal on the show not too uh, not too long ago, and he was talking about one of the one of the kind of frustrations for him uh, was, was the judged aspect, you know, that it, it, you know, sometimes it matter, you know, sometimes you got lucky and sometimes, uh, you know, maybe you got more points than you should have. And then other times the other way around, but because it's judged, you know, it's like gymnastics, it's just, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, do you, do you share the same frustrations or is it something that's just, uh, that's a part of it. That's just how it is. Yeah, I think every every acro pilot, competitive acro pilot, will tell you the same. It's really frustrating, but obviously you cannot do anything about it. But uh, it's a judge sport, so uh, first of all, uh, nobody is seeing what was your performance the same way. I mean, uh, the judges will all see it personally on the whether they like it or not. It's not. Uh, it's really an emotional emotional sport. I mean, the, either you you touch emotionally the judges and they will give you really good points, or you didn't, but still you performed well. But you will get less points than the one after you who did as well as you, but just maybe the judges was more receptive. So it's really frustrating for everyone. But as Paul said, it's sometimes sometimes you are lucky, sometimes you are not lucky, and that's that's the way it is actually. At the end of the day, on one competition, the best pilot might not win, but on the all two, on the all circuit, on three, four, five competition, at the end, normally the best pilot should come, should come up first, should be. Theo, what's the, you know, for for the, for the not not the level that you guys are at in 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 comps and flying comps, uh, you, you know, year round, um, but just you know, people that you know you you want to see. They're excited about flying. They want to become a really good pilot. They want to make sure they get. X, you know, what, what is that X? What are the, what are the foundational skills that you see maybe a lot of cross country pilots missing? Well, the, the main fundamental skill that many cross country pilots are missing is uh, the full stall port. Well, if you, if you, the main part they are missing is the rescue part because I see a lot of cross country pilots not able to force the rescue correctly and sometimes not even thinking about the rescue which I think is the one thing Acro is teaching you. But in the in the really technical part of uh, paragliding, I think the full stall is something that a lot of pilots are missing or are misinterpreting because I've seen a lot of pilots going to SIVs and telling me afterwards, yeah, full stall, no problem. I've done three in SIVs and they've never got the guts to perform it above ground again or got the... Uh, confidence and confidence to perform it again so for me it's not managing full stall and i think when you are cross-country pilots you you will go into situations where you will get sometimes cravat you will get uh, you will get in difficult situations and you should be able to stall your glider like just just without thinking it should be a, an automatism and uh, and i think a lot of uh, cross-country pilots so far are missing this automatism Mm. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Pal brought that up as well, and he thought just a considerable number. I mean, he gave it a huge number of accidents could be eliminated just with that one. That's actually what my ne- next column is about <laughs> in the magazine. So yeah. uh, that'll be. I'm glad you brought that up. What what other ones? Um, you, we one of the things that I hear come up on the web on the podcast from other pilots quite a bit. A lot more of the the, the cross country guys too, but uh, like wingovers. You know that just in that. You know, a big proper good wing over is is something a lot of cross country pilots don't have. Yeah, obviously the huge wing over is something that you don't see so often. 
well with the new cross countering it it's gotten easier and easier i mean if you try a an ENB wing and then you try an Enzo free maybe you will be able to do very good wing over with Enzo free while you will have struggled to get the momentum with an ENB glider because it has so much more energy but for most of the pilots really good wing over is uh, is difficult to achieve and i can understand that because it's it's not co it's not so easy uh, you have to be to really understand your glider and to really get the feeling out of it so it's not really easy, but uh, it's true that it's important because it's one of the few uh, maneuvers we could say that works on all axes, which means uh, the pitch, the the helico part, and the and the rolling part. So it's uh, it's really it's really a maneuver where you can learn a lot about the momentum of the glider, which means when where to pull. You have all kind of uh, of way to do wing overs. Uh, there is. Uh, all the way, all the pitch uh, down when you go, are going down and going up, where you have when you can pull, when you cannot pull, the control of the outside tip for it not to collapse and everything. So it's it's a really 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 interesting school of paragliding wing overs, but still, in my opinion, full stall stays the main main problem in uh, in nowadays paragliding cross country pilots. Okay, um, and then so if. Take me through then the kind of next, you know, so once you feel like, not you feel, once you really have stalls totally dialed, uh, what, are, what are the next kind of moves to, to build your acro foundation? Well, the good things is that once you have stalls perfectly, you are in a safe place, which means that uh, every time you are in trouble, uh, you will come back through, through stalls, through backfly. So basically, it opens it up. It opens to everything. So after stalls, usually what I'm what I'm uh, focusing on is uh, is pins and helicopters because it's uh, first of all it's something that can happen while flying. So it's always useful to to be used to this uh, to this feeling. But it's also a really really fun trick to perform. So after stall, I, I would think the, the next step is helicopter. Okay. Yeah. And that's quite technical, isn't it? I mean, I think that, um, you, you recently wrote that, you know, to learn Helico and to learn the, a lot of the maneuvers that require deep stall, um, you know, the best thing is to not be on a super twitchy glider. So don't be on a freestyle or an acro glider, you know, get a nice B. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, basically, um, the helico is one of the most technical tricks. <clears throat> it's not it's not the most uh, the most hardcore or the most dangerous, but it's one of the most technical because it always it all comes down to a really really precise control of the glider. You are in a really precise situation, so you have to be a really really strong control of the glider, and uh, and it's uh, it's more difficult to have this control with uh, with a hardcore acro wing or even with a freestyle wing because it's really more sensitive in the in the backfly, in the deep stall position, while an ENB wing uh, allows you to have a, a much more <clears throat> a huge margins of uh, of error, so you can you can make a lot more mistakes with uh, with an ENB, and still the glider will help you out a lot. And uh, and when the situation will will get a bit more tricky, and you will start to to lose the control a little bit of the glider, the ENB glider will help you out a lot by uh, really easy responses. So I think everyone should start training those tricks with uh, with an ENB glider. Uh, obviously, it's not the case so far, but but all my friends, I always advise them to go for ENB glider, and so far the results have been really great. Hmm. And uh, and they get a lot of confidence out of it. And when they when they go after after learning every tricks, every helico tricks, and all the tricks they can on an ENB glider, when they go to a freestyle wing or to an acro wing, they usually get way faster the next steps, and uh, and they progress really fast. And it's quite often that I've seen friends of mine or people I know training on ENB glider, while their friends went uh, went with uh, with acro gliders. And uh, and once once my friends went into went with aqua gliders, the progression went way faster than the other, the other people who went straight with aqua gliders. So I think it's a it's it's kind of a, of a it's kind of feels like a backward step when you want to go to acro to to take an ENB glider, but you will you will find it a really good really good way to progress, and it will be way faster for you once you get it. I think. Yeah, I, I like that. That's great. Um, Thea, I want to go back to what you said about, you know, that, that 
acropilots when when something goes wrong uh you you know how to react because you've done it so much as a where where a lot of times cross country pilots get hurt is they they don't throw at all uh that that's been you know something that I've seen over and over and over again especially at comps I think because people are thinking about uh, goal and they don't want to blow their day and you know they want to they want to recover it or maybe maybe like you said they're just they're not even looking at the ground they're just focused on the yeah. problem um just talk more about that because I, in in my acro training that was the most valuable lesson i got was to recognize okay i've got i'm twisted up four times i know that that's going to take you know uh, a considerable amount of time to get out of it just it made me really appreciate height a lot more than i had because before i had i had just thought you know i'm really good at stalls i've done a ton of them yeah. i can fix this uh whereas there are certain situations uh that really do require a lot of time to get out of yeah wait basically uh when when you are flying acro when you go for an acro and you always think about uh the possibility to throw the rescue and uh, that's thing that that's what a lot of pilots are lacking is that uh, an acro pilot even flying cross country will always have in his mind uh, that it's possible to throw the rescue and it's also no problem to throw the rescue i mean uh there is no shame in throwing the rescue there is no personal failure in throwing the rescue sometimes it's it's not such a personal failure to just admit that that you have been uh, you have been bested by the element so far so uh, so far, it's uh, it's quite important. I think it's a quite, it's a big lesson, and uh, and basically it's it's just come down to to just admit that uh, that you you cannot do anything more. So sometimes it's just because you are too low. Sometimes it's just because the incident just uh, outpass your 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 skills, you know. But uh, in my opinion, that's why that's what a lot of uh, a lot of pilots should should uh, should just mentally trained it's that okay maybe on this flight i will have to throw the rescue and uh, if this has to happen then i will throw it you know it just it's just mentally actually there is no no much skills to throwing the rescue it's just a mental preparation i think and i think a lot of cross-country pilots uh doesn't have this because for them it's kind of uh it's kind of shameful to throw the rescue because of a of a cravat or of a twist or of just uh, pushing the bar too much in, uh, in turbulences and getting the collapse. And I don't know, they are ashamed or maybe they are just more scared of, uh, of the landing with the rescues and the landing with the glider. Mm. I don't know, but uh, basically it's one skill that acro can teach everyone and not only acro, but you can teach it yourself without flying acro just by, just by thinking before flying that maybe it could happen. And if it happens, then you will be ready because you, you already knew that it could happen. Basically, I like that. Maybe you know, like we learn, we learn to to always reach down every flight and and you know put our hand on the on the toggle for to just get that muscle memory. You talked about going out to your knee and over, you know, having creating that muscle memory, but maybe creating the muscle memory of just acknowledging that <clears throat> this might be the day. Yeah, basically, if you if you think it's a possibility. When the possibility arrives, you are much more prepared because you already thought about it, so you won't hesitate. While if it never crossed your mind that it's possible to further rescue, it won't be the first thing that that pops into your mind in case of uh, of trouble. And uh, and basically, everyone is. Uh, I think in paragliding, a lot of people are, are optimistic people. I mean, to go flying by yourself, you must be quite optimistic and quite confident in yourself. But basically, too much optimism is not so good. So I think sometimes it's good to just admit that it won't. It won't uh, just fly by itself. You know, the glider won't recover by itself, and that you have to throw the rescue. And basically, the only way is to be prepared to do it. Mm, I like that. Theo, how do you how do you approach training in the off season? So like you're going into winter now. I'm assuming this this magical site that I can't wait to come fly <laughs> that you have uh, that I never even knew was was there all these years as I've flown a ton of Annecy and stuff. Um, what what yeah. do you what do you do now in in the winter to prepare for the the next season? 
Well, um, so far winter started since quite since quite a long time in France, at least at least two months, and now it's uh, it will be getting to an end soon. But uh, basically, I'm flying. I'm still flying as much as I can. I'm trying to find the conditions, but uh, just doing runs, so not not with thermal activity with the car, so going up and down and with cable cars. So I'm training a lot, uh, a lot through this, and I'm also training physically to to still be in shape for the season. So running, doing exercises, just just to keep the to keep the cardio high and to keep the, the body in shape for the season. And uh, and I will also move to to better climates. Uh, so probably in January, February, to the Canarias Island in Spain, which are also really good flying spot for the winter. So. We just travel around in the in the winter. We take some a few a few weeks off just to relax after the season, and after that, we just try to find the conditions or to just wait the sunny days in the winter in France. For those who, um, yeah, specifically speaking to our North American listeners, but there's there's people all over the world that maybe don't have uh, great spots in their backyard like you do to train. What are what are um, you know, give us your give us a half dozen or more sites that are that are great, and maybe the times of the year. Like if you wanted to get on, not necessarily the the circuit to train for for comp flying, but just to you know your your kind of favorite, most reliable places to train acro. Well, uh, obviously the most reliable and my favorite place to train acro is uh, is in Spain. It's Organia, mm-hmm. and the good thing about it is you don't have to be uh, a world class pilot to fly there. It's a uh, it's a really cool place. It's really smooth conditions. It's not so turbulent because it's uh, mostly a restitution uh, place. So from four to to ten p.m. It's it's amazing restitution with a really really soft air and climbing everywhere. So this is the most reliable place you can find from May to end of September. So this is the place to be if you want to train uh, acro or just basic basic tricks you know not even to train acro but just if you want to to really get into it and uh, then there is my my own place is really cool it's really great also and it starts a bit earlier around march and it ends also end of september end of october october it's less reliable reliable than organia because um, obviously organia is really special but it's still working quite good and uh, otherwise if you have if you have uh, if you want to go in the winter, basically Chile, so Iquique is one of the best spots. It's really working really, really good, and uh, it's really amazing. Or if you find a, a place with a cable car, so basically if you are in Europe, Austria, France, and uh, Switzerland are full of those. So a place with a lot of altitude and a cable car, you can do runs really fast there. And it's, uh, it's much less boring than if you go with a car, so it's really fast and it's uh, it's less tiring as well than, than with a car. It's obviously less fun than well with thermaling, but it's quite good. So you have Chamonix, Verbier, and all those places in uh, in Switzerland, in France, and in Austria as well. And you have also the Canarias Islands in Europe, which are really really good as well. And but it's more it's uh, it's more tricky places. It's more for experts pilots because the whole area is a bit more sketchy. It's uh, boxes for rescue are a bit more hardcore, so you have to take care and you have to really think about it a lot when you are flying. So I think it's more for experts pilots. And well, basically there is places. I mean, so far I've seen amazing places to fly everywhere, even for acro. Uh, just in a good day, every place is amazing, and I think in USA and uh, and everywhere around the globe, you have amazing places. So basically, if you find one, just send me a call, give me a call. I would be happy to visit. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the the, the tour. Uh, you know, when when would someone uh, you know start to consider? You know, hey, maybe I I could go compete. I mean, because it's I mean, it seems to me like uh, you know, you guys, you and Andra and the, the really top level guys, um, it's, it's, it's like a world of its own, you know, is, is there, is there much room still for, for people to, you know, to come into that, uh, you know, arena because it, it doesn't, you're certainly not going to be top three unless you're, you're doing the same tricks that all you guys are. 
and not even well, the same uh, tricks, but yeah. the same sequences and you know the same runs. Yeah, obviously the the tour so far. If if you look at the top pilots, it's mostly professional pilots training all year long. So yeah, it's it's pretty difficult to to get them uh, straight away. You need a lot of training to do so. But still, there is a lot of uh, of pilots which we which have uh, another level. So we are we are not only professional in the tour so far. There are also people with a, with a side job or people just uh, just flying for fun and they come to the tour just just for the for the atmosphere because it's a it's a really cool atmosphere we are really friendly it's a friendly atmosphere in acro it's no pressure uh so basically at any level if you have the basic uh, safety level so if you can perform the basic tricks which are helicopter and full stall and some basic connection you are welcome to the tour because you will always find some people to to compete to compete against because uh, there's all level represented at the tour so obviously the top level but as well as the as a lower levels and uh, and it's all quite friendly so basically if you feel that you want to compete in acro and and your level is not is not so high but you still you, you are interested to compete you are welcome because you will always find somebody to compete with right now oh great and who that that that's really cool i thought you had to qualify or something so that that's pretty neat and what, what yeah who, we have actually like a qualifier but uh, basically the pilot have to perform full stall helico and sat uh in a in a safe way huh, above okay. the so basically as soon as as he's safe and you you see that he's safe he's he's allowed to enter the the competition and so far, the system is going to change. Uh, I, I don't have the confirmation, but we should have a qualifier tour also going on in the in the upcoming seasons. Who who runs the tour, and where does where does the money from that come? Um, basically, every every competition has its own sponsor so far. So uh, so there is not one main sponsor for the tour. But uh, usually the competition finds money through through the states. Basically, they organize a World Cup or something like this, and uh, and the country, the states, and uh, and the local local companies give them money for to pay for the expenses, as well as their entry fee of the tour. Also, uh, are helping a lot the organizer to pay uh, to pay the all the expenses for the for the for the event. So basically, we don't have a main sponsor, but just local sponsors plus entry fees paid by the pilots. Hmm, cool, Theo. If you if you look ahead, uh, say five years, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, I hope I hope pretty much in a in a in a similar spot because I've I've worked really hard on my career to make it working and running, and I hope that in five years I should. I should still be able able to enjoy this this career and to to perform. So obviously, when I look in five years ahead, I I hope that I will be still training, still competing, and still uh, living out of paragliding through acro for cross country, where I can fly through all the all this fun stuff that is paragliding. You've mentioned hike and fly now a couple times. Are we going to be? Uh, are you going to be a surprise show at something like the X Alps here one of these years? Well, obviously, I'm I'm hoping for it. Uh, I I will be competing this year in uh, in the in the hike and fly competition in France. I've competed also last year in some, and I'm training a lot for it. So, so, so far there is nothing decided, but uh, but I'm training and I I'm hoping to to get the level there. Great. Well, I I would. Uh... I'm going to do it again, I think in, in 2019. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll see you there at the, at the starting line in Salzburg. That would be a, that would be a blast, but yeah, Theo, I really awesome. appreciate it. This is uh this has been a, a real honor and I, I thank you for your time. I know you've got another meeting com- coming up, so uh, let's, let's call it there. Is, is there anything uh, you'd like to say about your sponsors or any of the people that follow your column or anything before, before we sign off here? Yeah, obviously. Uh, first, I would like to to thank everyone who follows the colon because uh, it's been a first for me this year, this season to write the colon, and I've got really really nice responses for it. And uh, and uh, if people have questions about the colon or have suggestions, uh, I'm open to suggestions because it's a uh, it's quite a fun stuff to write, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And I hope that everyone is uh, is finding my advices and my colon uh, uh, interesting and helpful also. 
and uh, and last of all, I would like also to f- I, I'm I would like to thank my sponsors because uh, as an athlete uh, I cannot live without them mm-hmm. and uh, and they are like the main the main uh, my main uh, support there and they they help me out uh, in many ways other than financially but also uh, helping me out in my in my daily life for their product and everything. So it's uh, it's something we don't say enough, but as an athlete, we are totally dependent on them, and it's really nice to see that they are there to support us. So mainly Gradient Super, and uh, all the all the paragliding industry supporting us. So we are there helping. They are helping us out all the time, and we need to thank them for the, for it. Great, great. Thank you. I do. You know what? Before we sign off, one one more question. I'm sure a common friend of ours, uh, Jean Baptiste Chandelier. Do you have any? You know, he's been putting out these amazing films for all these years, uh, and, yeah. and he and I keep missing each other on on potential uh, projects doing together. You know, of course, I'm more cross country, but we've we've yeah. also done some really fun film projects. Um, do you have anything planned with with him in the future? Are you, are you guys friends? No, yeah, yeah, we are friends for sure. We we know each other and we 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 see each other quite often because obviously uh, it's a small world, and uh, and we are we are friends. And but we don't have any project together because obviously so far we have been in uh, in different uh, areas and with different sponsors. So it's always difficult to mm. to create things uh, with different sponsors. But uh, I really enjoy his work, and so far he, I think he started some vlogs, which I really enjoyed. His last vlog was really really nice, and it was a new approach for him, and it was really nice. And uh, it's really nice to see to see him doing such nice work. I think it's it's making really good promotion for paragliding globally. Yeah, really because uh, yeah, it's easy to see that it's a nice sport, and he really enjoys what what he's doing. And for me, it's it's the main main thing is to just enjoy what you are doing. So JB is really showing it, and it's it's really nice. Fantastic, great. Theo, thanks so much. Uh, let you get off to your other thanks meeting. You. I really appreciate it. Uh, and and also for those of you who 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 aren't aware of it, uh, please check out Theo's column in Cross Country. It is absolutely fantastic. Whether you fly acro or not, it's a, it's it's really terrific. I appreciate you the effort you're putting into that, <laughs> Theo. It's great. And uh, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank Thank you for for the opportunity for the for the nice to- for the nice talk. I really enjoyed it. it was really nice. <laughs> great. See you later, buddy. Yeah, see you later. Now, I hope you enjoyed that pretty quick talk with Theo LeBlick. Uh, fantastic to hear all his thoughts about acro and training and, and how uh, we cross-country pilots can learn from acro and, and get a lot safer. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you are getting something out of the show or this one or one of the previous episodes or if you're just discovering the show, uh, there's a whole bunch of hours and hours and hours of awesome content back there. Go back and dive deep into uh, some of those other shows. Just a ton of fantastic advice. And if you are enjoying it, I like to think put this out there. Think of it like a magazine subscription or something. Uh, all we ask for is a buck a show. You can find those links to support the show on cloudbasedmayhem.com, either through PayPal as a one-off, or you can sign up to kind of set it and forget it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. But this is, uh, we're not using sponsors to support the show because I hate having to do all that announcing in the beginning. Uh, and I know everybody just fast forwards through it anyway. So this is a listener supported podcast. You are what makes this possible. And uh, we dig bringing it to you. So uh, send us a buck show. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.